Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. Well, I want to talk to you about leaning into his voice. Leaning into his voice. You see, sometimes we lean on our own understanding. Sometimes we lean on our circumstance position of authority. Sometimes we lean on material things for our security, relationships. We lean on these things and we lean on them, but when they're not steady, we fall. And many times God says, all you have to do is lean toward my voice. Wherever you hear me, lean in that direction and let me speak into your life. And so as we look at For a few moments here this morning, we think about God speaking to people at a young age. And David, he did that. See, God God did not bring the man after his own heart straight from the pasture to the palace. Oh, no, 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 no. There was was an in-between. Ten to thirteen years after Samuel had anointed David, it was when he would become king. But his best years... That were ahead of him were formed in that window of 10 to 13 years. How do you mean? You may ask. Well, it's in those interim years that David ensured more difficulty, more persecution, more rejection than many of us face in a lifetime. Allow me to elaborate. He probably didn't expect so much time to be in between voices have you ever felt like there's a time in between voices like you feel like you're supposed to do something and then like the heavens remained silent and you're like god like did something happen like a prayer hit the ceiling and it bounced off and it kind of landed back in your pocket and you're like i i prayed this last week why is it doing here it was supposed to go up but it kind of fell back down and you're like i think god forgot me I think I don't think there's a person in this room or listening right now or watching even online that, that you've not felt a moment in your life where you felt like maybe God forgot me. He's too busy handling that situation over there because there's a lot of needs there. My need probably seems too small for him. But there's never been a moment in your life where God has forgotten you. So one time, uh, one time in your life, there's going to be a moment where you're just going to have to say, I have to choose to lean into his voice and just wait. Those intramires, like David did. See, David had to trust in God by leaning into his voice as a child so he could see his promise as an adult. Hello? David had to lean toward the voice of God as a child so that he can hear his voice as an adult and see his promise fulfilled. In contrast, we look at somebody like Saul. Who was Saul? Well, at the time, he was the previous king before David took the throne. He was the king at the time when David was anointed, when David was in his interim years. When David was about to catapult into that role, he was that king, that person in charge. 
Saul had no such difficulty about leaning into the voice. He, in fact, he was crowned very shortly. He didn't have to worry about somebody waiting to crown him. Israel wanted a king so badly. God said, wait. Israel said, no. God said, wait. Israel said, no. You ever said no to God because you want to rush it? No, that's your neighbor, not you. I'm sorry. Those Christians down the street, those guys, not us. I think we all been there, right? We all felt the time in our life where we like, chop, chop, God, let's go. You gave me a promise. I'm going to hold you to it. Pinky sweat, pinky sweat. Saul was not in that boat. They just said, Saul, you're king. And he's like, so wheat. That's the Tony Refractured version. That's not a real Bible word. That's not in your Bible. Don't look for it. But they, you know, you have those moments where you say, wow, God, like, I need that now. Like, you promised it, right? So it's good. We're good. We're good. We're good, right? God says, wait. Saul didn't wait. They made him king. He said, sweet, we're in. Let's do this. But then there was nothing fortified in private to handle what is strong in public. I'm going to say that again. Your fortitude in public is made strong in private. Every bit of strength you have in public is forged in the fires of your private life. You think that doing what you do when nobody's watching, nobody will find out. No, wrong. Everybody that needs to know knows. What you do in private will eventually come out in public. Because the real you is forged in the fires of private life. So, while Saul was quick to hop on the bandwagon and let's do this kingship thing, David had to wait. That's what made David so great. Because he had time to work out the kinks. Right? For those of you that are software graphic people, there's a beta version that comes out of just about every bit of software. And that's a trial version. That's, we're trying to figure out what's wrong with this. So let's release it. Let's have everybody try it. And let's see what's wrong with it. Are you living a beta life? Are you making beta decisions? Let's try this. See what happens. Saul was a beta king. Come on, that's preaching worthy right there. <laughs> Tweet that. No beta for me. Hashtag no beta. Beta version means it's a trial. It's a, let's just send it out there, see what happens. David was no beta. In fact, he was the one waiting behind the scenes. I hope somebody's getting this this morning because I am. I'm preaching myself if I have to. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yes, pastor. While Saul was maybe the best man that Israel had, his downfall was that he was the best man they had, not the best one God had. He was a symbol of them. Flawed, yet faithful to my flaws. That's good, pastor. (laughs) Serious. You ever been faithful to your flaw? 
You ever been faithful to your flaw? You know you're weak in it and you keep returning. The Bible says something gross. It's the dog returns to his vomit. But that's real. Are we real? We're real up in here. And I'm telling you right now, a dog returns to his vomit. Why? Because it's what they know. The beta you is not the beta, is not the you God is looking for. The beta you is not the you God is looking for. Saul was entrusted with a measure of anointing to lead the armies of Israel, to shepherd the people, to give them victory. And all he could do was worry about, what do you mean I slayed my thousands and David is ten thousands? I'm too busy looking at the numbers to worry about the growth. All these things were happening while David was being formed. Saul was worrying about numbers and what people thought about him. See, when you worry so much and have to give an account for who you are to everybody, you have no chance to actually be who you are. Because you're worried about what this person thinks, what that person thinks, what this person might be saying. Why are they looking at me this way? What's your problem? They don't have a problem. They have something in their eye. And you're reading into it. Right? Why'd that person look at me like that? They have dust in their eye. You're just reading into it too much. We want to read into everything and worry about what everybody thinks. I'm here to tell you that without strength and character in private, your public won't matter much because it'll fall soon. You win your private battles, your public battles become lighter. These public victories will become more and more prevalent in your life. Sin hinders everything now, especially man's experience of God's presence. When I talk about leaning into his voice, I'm talking about the weakness combined with the growing appetite for favor can draw you toward the presence of God. When you realize your weakness, hear me, when you realize your weakness... And your appetite for God grows more. You'll lean toward the presence of God. You'll lean toward the voice of God. And you say, God, I am weak. But when I am weak, you are. And so I can. I can because you are. I can because you were. I can because you will be faithful. Somebody say amen in the house. See, Saul's untested heart allowed that which was given to him. To make him successful only for a time, but will later destroy him. David, Saul, both were flawed, both were imperfect, but one took the time to allow the test to make him the best. David was considered a warrior king. David, even though he had already possessed the heart for the Lord, was led into years of testing, years of grooming. God, don't test me. God, don't groom me. Just give me the anointing. Anything that's given is not quite appreciated like when it's earned. Is that right? That's why some of our generations so jacked up. Everybody wants something, but no more wants to work for it. You don't want my anointing. You don't want that person's anointing. You don't want that person's gifting. You have no idea what it took to get there. I'd like to suggest to you for a moment 
The scriptural account of this season in David's life was filled with lessons and kinds of character tests that you will have to face in order to be successful. You will have to fight in order to fulfill the destiny that the Lord your God has for you. Watch this now. I want you to take a moment and grab your bulletin in the back of your bulletin. Jot a few things down as we look at this because I want to throw this at you. David's ability to do something in the face of the deepest betrayal and rejection imaginable got him to the mental state of fortitude of being able to fight. What happens when he gets back to Ziklag and all of his family and all of his people and all of his people's peoples and his friends' wives and children, all of them are gone. What do you do? When you get home from work and everything you own is taken. What do you do when your family is taken right from under you? David says, I am weak. I am unable. What do I do now? A warrior king knows what to do. But he also knows that unless he has the favor of God, he's going before himself. Not the God that he serves going before him. You're living your life in beta mode. You're not letting God go before you. You're untested. My goodness, there's so much in you. There's so much that God wants to do, but you're living in beta. Untested. You can't see the finished product if you sit untested. When he stood completely alone, David that is, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 records this. When he stood completely alone, David, it says this, David strengthened himself. Because they spoke of stoning him. That's a bad day. He spoke of stoning him and... The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 that he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, when you're on the mountaintop, learn to bow your head low. When you're at the valley, learn to stand tall. And he realized, I have to stand on God's promise because I serve a God that's real. I serve a God that's true. Is anybody with me? I serve a God that will be with me. Walk with me. Fight for me. I lean on his voice. If you want to kill giants, follow a giant killer. David seriously had a bad day. And he was all about taking out the enemy when God said do it. But this one was bigger. This got personal. Did God ever allow something in your life get really personal? We just heard a story about that. Don't get more personal than that. You see, David faced the deepest and most betrayed of all rejection. The people he fought alongside started to turn on him. Did someone ever turn on you that you used to fight alongside? You ever fight alongside somebody and they turn on you? And you're like, what, what did I do to deserve this? Here's, here's the answer. Are you ready? Possibly nothing. But I got to stop looking at the why and start looking at the what. Why did you do that? That's a fair question. And it's even a question you can ask. But a better question that will help you walk with God is, what can I do in the meantime? So God reveals why. 
If I focus on the what, the why becomes smaller. Now even the rejected in society, the ones that were rejected are now turning on the rejector. My goodness, everyone lost family. And now they're turning on each other. And David's like, we lost our family to the enemy and now you want to turn on me? We fought alongside each other. Brothers, we fought alongside each other. Let's make this right. He goes before God and God says, go, get your family back. Get their families back. David was greatly distressed as the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. What a feeling, huh? A feeling of not just, did you just lose everything? Now the only thing that you have to lean on is turning on you too. That's why there's times I have to realize the only thing I can do is lean into his voice. God, what do I do now? What do I do now? Because everybody else has turned on me. Everybody else has a reason to turn on me. But I don't know what to do here. Without question, most of us would feel greatly distressed, as David did. Does he run for his life? No. Does he become indignant and and defend himself? No. He says, let's go get what's ours. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God, and he went after. He didn't take defense mode because that had already been taken. Now, it's time for the church to stop sitting back and waiting for the enemy to do something so we can reply. Hello? Stop worrying about when the enemy is going to next attack your family and start taking initiative and go after those areas you know are exposed. I don't get a lot of amens, but I'm going to go into my points. Here we go. Number one, find the back door to the throne room. How do I lean into his voice? Find the back door to the throne room. The back door is the what behind the why. Your struggle very well may be your ally. Your struggle may be the reason you're going to get through this. Your struggle may very well be whatever you needed to get past this. Look at me for a moment. Every eyeball right here. Follow me for a moment. I need you to understand something. God gave him strength to master his own distress. Look past the offense and the things that happened, the men's rejection, and rally them together to get their family back. They went back after the enemy and they recovered everything, the Bible says, that was theirs and then some. And guess what? They didn't just recover what was theirs. They took what the enemy had taken from other people. When he turned to the men, he turned to them and said, let's pull ourselves together. But David, that was personal too. He's fought for property. He's fought for principle. But now he's fighting for priority. He's fought for possessions. He's fought for other things. But now, now it's about the priorities. Are you fighting for your family? Are you fighting? No, 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 no. I didn't say, did you take them to church? No, I didn't ask if you went to church this summer. I'm not asking about your giving. I'm not asking you about your serving. I'm asking you, are you fighting for your family? Are you going before God and saying, there's some things I see. Get, help us get this right. Are you doing that? Because if you're not, now would be the time to go through and, and take inventory. And say, I'm going to take the back door to the throne room. 
What does the back door look like? It's very easy, the obvious things. God touches you in a service. That's the front door. He ministers to you by somebody's hand on your life and speaks into your life. That's the front door. That's the blatant God ministering and encouraging you. That's how that works. That's easy. What about the back door? Thing you didn't expect. What about the things you didn't think were the reason you were going to get through this trial? What if the things you did least expect to be the reason why you get through it would be the reason why you got through it? The back door to the throne of God. Don't underestimate the ability to choose to praise through your problem. Don't praise because of it. Nobody goes, thank God there's nothing in the bank account, Jesus. Thank God I'm writing a check that might just bounce. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that person cut me off. Mm. Help me, Lord. Bless them. Let them hit the lottery, Jesus. Because it's so good. I just got Baptist all of a sudden. I don't know what just happened. Puerto Rican Baptist. Help me, Lord. I'm telling you right now. What about the back door? The thing you least expect to get you through your, your circumstance. His breakthrough kept him standing in front of the unseen door that was just about to open. Your praise will keep you standing in front of a door that's just about to open. Come on, somebody. That praise will get you somewhere. Oh, God, I don't praise you because of it, but I'm going to praise you through it. I'm going to lift my hands. I, I don't have a reason in the physical to lift my hands right now. I don't have a reason to sing the song on the screen. It's a nice song, great melody. Love that bridge. <laughs> but I'm going to take the back door. I'm just going to assume that through this circumstance, something's going to trigger. I believe God has something in this valley. He's going to do something in this valley. And it's going to involve many people in this room. He's doing something. He's brewing it. And a lot of times we forget the back door. The opportunities that are unseen. See, when Jesus came, God didn't change. Our approach toward him changed forever, though. It was a short time later, after, uh, shortly what happened was, his breakthrough came as he was standing on the store, right? Pressure draws God's presence. He trusted God. The very battle that the Philistines had just prevented him from fighting in was the battle that Saul and Jonathan both died in. And what happens? God said, hold up. You don't fight in this battle. And that was the very battle that his predecessor died in. Mind you, his predecessor and his best friend. The Bible talks about how close Jonathan was with David. So his very blatant enemy and his very blatant best friend died in the same battle. And then God elevated him to that place. See, the enemy can't defeat you, but he can only hope to disarm you. He can hope to disarm you if maybe he could discourage you just enough to never want to go to church again. 
Maybe, just maybe he could discourage you enough with a spouse, with a neighbor. With something happening in your morning. You spill coffee on yourself. That's it. I'm not going to church. Victory. Victory. Change your pants. Get here late, but get here. Maybe that's the Lord telling me I should just stay home and pray. Lies. You will stay home. But you won't pray any more than if you come here. I'm telling you right now. Change your pants and get to church. What am I saying? I'm saying don't let your trial determine where you're going. Or where you're not going. Because... Key number two to leaning into his voice is strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about self-help books. Okay? I'm not talking about strength. Just think positive. We don't have the ability to think that positive that much. Sometimes you got to say, I'm going to praise through my circumstance. Our lifestyle as believers is always focused on serving, loving, and leaning on the body of Christ. But what if we started leaning on the voice of God? Is that right? Don't underestimate the ability to choose praise. Trust that God has a plan for you. Amen? Someone gave me an amen. It's bitterness that will draw anger. It's bitterness that will draw that pain to the forefront. But David's personal breakthrough and his ability to strengthen himself to be faithful to the purposes instead of collapsing on the pressure. You ever collapsed on the pressure? I have. But his ability to stay focused not only saved his life, but enabled his men to stay strong and go get the family that was taken from him. Pressure draws God's presence. Many of the things David did to strengthen himself were the things that brought him through his testing. If you don't do anything day to day, you don't strengthen yourself day to day. When you get a trial, you won't know how to get out of it. Because the same practices that drive you through the trial are getting you to the trial. I'll say it like this. Every practice that you get to go through leading up to the trial will also drive you through it. So if you don't practice it, the promise will not look like promise when you get there. But it's saying, God, I praise you through my circumstance. I will praise you. A wonderful song. I remember when I was going through something in my life, I remember I will praise you through the storm, a song by Casting Crowns. You remember that? I will praise you through the storm. I was going through something in my life. And I remember hearing this song. And I remember even driving uh, from a location to another location. And tears streaming down my face. Because I'm saying, I don't praise you because of it. I praise you through the storm. As tears stream down my face, I will praise you through the storm. And I had to strengthen myself in the Lord my God. I don't see it. I don't understand it. But I sure need to know that God is with me. I like what the psalmist said here. Watch this. If we look at what the psalmist said here in Psalm 142. One of the verses that I want to highlight is verse 3. And it's kind of highlighted in bold on your screen there. It says, when my spirit 
grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. Isn't that good? When my spirit grows faint, it is you. You can glance at your problem with gaze upon your God. I'm going to say it again. You can glance at your problem, but listen, you gaze at your God. God allows your season to take place, but your words and your attitude will determine how you experience it. My job is to trust my heavenly father with the problems and situations that I don't understand. I will encourage myself in the Lord, my God. We look at Joseph who discovered this thing the hard way. As he came into his destiny, he saw God's plans and purposes. He had a momentum of power that outweighed the evil plans of his brothers. Hello? Joseph. He followed. Faithful. Genesis 50 says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about on this day to save my people and keep them alive. If Joseph would have gave up, his people would have died in the famine. But he hung through. Come on, tap your neighbor, tell him, hang through. Hang through. It may not be proper grammar, but it's proper to me. Hang through it. Hang through your circumstance. Scripture says this in Proverbs, for as he thinks... In his heart, so is he. Third thought. Walk convinced of your purpose. If you always feel the need to explain yourself to everyone, you'll never get a chance to be who God called you to be. The truth is that we can only ignore the enemy when we're firmly convinced that we're doing a great work for God. We can ignore... What the enemy is doing only when our gaze is upon him. Or else we look upon our problems too much. A passionate devotion to God keep us focused. If we're not convinced of our purpose, church, look at me. If we're not convinced of our purpose, we will believe lies. Over and over again. Why didn't I get it? Why didn't I see that? Well, because you're not convinced of your purpose. There's a possibility that maybe... You believe in the enemy's lie more than you believe in God's truth for you. I want to read a verse to you, but I'm going to pray first in just a moment here. I'm going to read this verse in a moment. Everyone across this room, bow your heads across this room. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would allow us this opportunity to see closely God, the key to gaining our conviction in you is sustained focus on your word over us. Lord, I thank you for showing us how scripture is our way to walk in covenant with you. God, I pray today that you would allow us to walk in our destiny. Failure to consider your word is a failure to consider you. I pray, God, that you would help us to believe for what is unseen. Believe what is unseen today. That we may follow your word, your will, your way. Lord Jesus, may your destiny be what we desire. In Christ's name.
Lamentations says this. If you could look up at your screen for a moment. I think I have this verse up here for you. She, speaking of Israel, did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. What is that verse saying to you and to me today? Every eyeball right here, look at me. When you don't consider your destiny, your purpose, your focus is elsewhere. When your focus is elsewhere, other than in the Lord your God, your collapse is immense. Big time. Lamentations is all about lamenting the entire book. It's about struggles and pain. Some of y'all wrote your own book of lamentations called your life. You struggled, man. You had some things. I'm telling you, if you could turn the tide and start realizing, I'm going to praise you through, not of, maybe, just maybe, the idea that we can trust God will make more sense if we can turn the tide. When we express that trust of God is important in the midst of our circumstances, leaning into his voice becomes a little easier. So I'm going to ask you to respond today. Today, I'm making a straight up altar call. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I realize in my life, I need to lean into his voice. You know what it takes to lean? You have to take your eyes off of what's in front of you. And sometimes it's just bowing before him. I'm going to lean toward the voice. I, I may not see too much, but sometimes that's better. I think the biggest problem with us sometimes is that we see too much. We don't hear enough of him. So sometimes your eyes can be the biggest thing. The biggest obstacle you have. Maybe just shutting your eyes for a moment and saying, God, I lean. I lean. Lean on the everlasting. Lean on the one that is and is to come. I lean on him. So I'm going to make this call real simple. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I lack leaning into his voice in my life. I lack the opportunity. Ushers, help me with these lights a little bit this moment here. Hear me for a moment. If you yourself today, you're saying, I lack the lean in my life. I'm going to ask you to slide up out of your seat. Come meet me at the altar right now. And let's lean toward his voice. You say, Pastor Tony, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what you're asking of me. All I'm saying is, if I can just lean my life toward him. Say, God, show me what I need to know. And only what I need to know. And let me see what I'm supposed to do here for I don't know what that looks like, God, but I I trust you today. See, Israel spent so much time thinking they knew. You know, Israel was God. They were God's people, right? And in the Old Testament, they were a picture of the church. Because in the New Testament, Israel is us. God's people, right? And we're not... You don't have to be Israeli to be God's people. In the New Testament view of things... But understand this, a lot of times we look at the Old Testament, we see what Israel did, and we say, man, they messed up. But if 
we really took a picture of ourselves, we'd say, wow, we messed up too. Because they leaned on man. They leaned on Saul. God said, I don't want to give you a king yet. They said, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. They leaned on the voice of man. And they said, I'll give you a king. And they gave him Saul. Saul disappointment. Disappointed God. Disappointed the people. Almost flawed the whole kingdom. Turned the entire kingdom away from God. It's a picture of us today. It's a picture of us. How many times did we lean on our own understanding? How many, I mean, Proverbs told us many years ago, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will what? Direct your paths in order to, <laughs> in order to get your paths directed, you have to lean. Lean on His voice. Father, thank you for every person that has responded today and those that may be even at their seat that are still wondering if they should respond. I'm asking you today as we take a moment to lean on you. God, I pray we would take a moment here. We lean on everlasting.